It's time for Knox Talk, a behind-the-scenes look at the business side of college sports. Featuring Paul Sickman from Knox Sports and Brandon Parks from the Vol Network. Now for today's show. Hello again, everybody. My name is Paul Sickman from Knox Sports, and welcome to Knox Talk. I am joined, as always, with my good friend, Brandon Parks. Hello, Brandon. Hey, Paul. Go Big Orange. Go, <laughs> go somewhere. Uh, Memorial Day is around the corner, and with that comes summer and vacation season. It's all over us. So today, I thought we would do something a little different. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about vacations. We're going to talk about life-work balance and maybe even touch on uh, the uh, work-at-home trend that we both love so dearly. What do you think? I think we could do about five podcasts on work-life balance, and I don't know if you and I are good um, students of the work-life balance life, but we can unpack it as best we can. <laughs> That's 100% true. Neither one of us are very good at, uh, at balancing it all, but our wives haven't left us, and our kids are still growing up, and they haven't, uh, they haven't died under our care so far, so we're doing okay. Well, that family is very important to that work-life balance, obviously. <laughs> so I was going to start by talking about in my, uh, in my former life, when I was with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, we had our owner, his philosophy on vacations was that you were only allowed to take a multi-day vacation in the month of February, period. So every vacation that we took in my last career had to be in February. So... When I took a long European vacation, I took it in February when it was unbelievably cold. When I decided to get married, we did it in February, and our honeymoon was in Beaver Creek in February. Thank God my wife, born in Florida, decided she wanted to learn how to ski, or I have no idea how I would have survived those first 10 years. How, how do you think that, that rule would, would be applied today and accepted today? No chance. No chance. But it, 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 you're right. I mean, different era. I mean, I understood the philosophy. He was like, listen, you know, no one wants to talk about football as soon as the Super Bowl's over, right? You get a month where you just got to leave people alone. I think that's true now. I mean, it's not like you you just hammer people about the football season as soon as football season ends, unless you had a great one. And since we never had a great one, that was never a factor. Um, but, and then there was like, okay, there's kind of a building up period where you plan. And then, so we really weren't going to go out there and pitch and sell new sponsorships for probably 60 days after that. So I got that part of it. But the fact that, you know, July 4th, nope, you only take one day off, you know, um, it's crazy. Uh, it's crazy. So did, did you, did you have any time following home game weekends? Was, if you played, let's say you played Sunday night football, what did Monday look like? Uh, 6 a.m. Okay. 6 a.m. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that back then in my life, I worked 100 hours every single week. I worked every single Saturday and Sunday, except for the fall where I had Saturdays off. Um, and I, I mean, that was what it was. I mean, Brandon, the staff was so small that it was just what it is. I mean, let me tell you, I, I, kind of a work-life balance, I'll kind of ease into it. I'll tell you a story that I'll let you tell you one. Um, I, so... I have left the Bucks. I am now on my own. I've been on my own for about four years. My son Knox was born um, a year before I left. So he was one when I started the company. He was now four years old. And I went over to one Buck place to go see some of my uh, my friends over there. And one of the one of the guys who was there, a guy named John Idzik, who became the general manager of the New York Jets later and the Seahawks, et cetera. But I went over and I, I'm looking at John. Well, I knew his boys were born the exact same year as Knox. They were the same age. 
So I, I, I saw John and I'm like, hey, buddy, how are your boys doing? He goes, oh, they're doing fine, Paul. I goes, are they playing baseball? He says, they are. I said, that's great. I said, I'm coaching Knox um, in four-year-old baseball. It's unbelievably fun. He goes, yeah. He goes, it's midseason. He goes, yeah. He goes, someday I'm going to be able to make it to a game. I haven't made it to one yet. Wow. It, it was halfway through Little League baseball season and he had not had a chance to see his boys play baseball. And it just struck yeah. me. It was like a hammer. And I'm like, I just felt so lucky because if I had been in that world then four years later I would have had that same ridiculous wrong pressure to be there all the time and that's where I think it kind of I wanted to kind of let you kind of dive in because in the pro football yeah. world back then there was pressure to be there for hours it was not it, yes there was pressure on productivity but there was hours pressure, which was false. It was a bad narrative and it wasn't real, but it, it was real, but it wasn't the right kind of pressure. Yeah. And, and I'll say this about the, a lot of jobs or careers have one or the other. They either have long hours or they have really significant pressure to produce results. What makes a really difficult career is when you have long hours plus the pressure to produce those results. And then you get into this whole conversation about how do we keep people around without burning them out. Mm -hmm. um, and and it, it, it's a grind. Uh, I will tell you and, you, and you've led me right down the path. Um, probably the greatest thing to happen to me for work-life balance was having kids. And I started here at the network in 2000. We did not have kids until Hudson, my oldest, was born in April of 2012. And I made my first work-life balance decision. For that, for that first part of my career, it was always a treat if you could travel with football team to the away games. Right. And so I worked my way up to where I was accepted on that trip, and then I could help produce radio broadcast at the opposing team site. Um, and it was fantastic. And there was a window of time in there, I think it was 150 games consecutively, that I did. And I, I treasure that time that I had. When Hudson came along, I made a decision, a work-life balance decision that, you know, my time is probably better spent in Knoxville with him as a baby and as he starts to grow up now. Because truly, what am I judged on in my role at this office is based on production. It's based on sponsorship sales, not necessarily if I can be an assistant producer on radio. So I made that decision to come off the road, give someone else an opportunity to go do that. Um, and then I've always had the rule of thumb that if there is a business purpose for me to go to an away game trip, I will go and serve that purpose. But if it's only to be in more of a support role, I think my time's better served in Knoxville with my kids. And yeah. children, I will say this, in a lot of ways, ch children have taken the gray area out for me because it's a pretty black or white decision. Yeah, you're they're, in, only, you're they're only young once. And, and you're never going to get that time back. You're never going to get that baseball game back. Right. Um, and I know you were here in Knoxville a couple months ago and got to watch him play in a middle school game. I treasure those moments to be at that, to be at the ball field and to put the phone down for a few minutes and just, and just watch right. and be a dad. And that matters. I coached my son in baseball and lacrosse from the time he was three years old until he was a junior in high school. Uh, I did not ever miss one of my daughter's dance uh, functions, but I was incredibly lucky that I controlled my own destiny because I owned my company 
And I still was able to schedule trips. If I had practice, I scheduled. So the poor baseball team, they didn't realize why the practice schedule, hey, this week, guys, we're going Monday, Tuesday, Friday. Why, Mr. Sigman? <laughs> because that's the best days for you. Um, you know, I mean, it was yeah. a total, you know, I was a total selfish move, but I controlled my own destiny. It was my company. I could travel what I wanted. I, I worked everything out and I got there. But I, I'm going to relate hours. I'm going to go back to an hours story. Um, you know, my first year, uh, with the Buccaneers. Uh, my boss was a wonderful man, but again, we're talking about 100 hours a week and there were no nights off. I, I had asked him for the six home games that we had in Tallahassee that year. I said, hey, listen, can I leave right at 5.30 on Friday afternoon? Can I leave for Tallahassee? That'll get me up there at 9.30 at night and we go to the game. You know I'm driving home after the game. It's going to end at midnight. I'm going to drive home. I'll be here at 4.30 in the morning. I'm going to change and be here on Sunday. I just want 24 hours off. And he would always say, sure, Paul, you can leave at 5.30 on Friday. And then invariably at 5.15 on Friday, he would put a project on my desk and say, hey, I need this wow. tonight before you go. And now if he did it intentionally or not, I doubt it. He just, there was just a lot of work. And so he would dump work on me at the last minute on Friday. So translate that forward or take that forward 10 years when I opened my company and I started hiring employees. I went the opposite. And I basically every single Friday, whether it's two o'clock, three o'clock or at worst 3.30 or four, Everyone in my office needs to go home. And, and I make sure that Friday is an early day. Is that a big deal? Maybe, maybe not. But I can tell you that every single employee certainly loves it. And that kind of was inspired by Tony Dungy, the head coach uh, my last uh, year or two with the Bucks. He, knowing that coaches, nobody works harder than coaches in the pro game. I mean, I'm not sure anybody works harder. They are there. I mean, they sleep there. And he knew that, and he knows that, and he didn't wasn't afraid of work. But every Friday afternoon at one o'clock at one buck, he made sure all the wives and kids were invited to one buck on Friday afternoon. And so everyone was there. And so that was a family afternoon. So even if you were working or even if you were, you know, practice was going on, the wives and kids were there. And I, that just kind of struck me. And so when I opened up my own shop, we changed that a little bit. But that's, again, going back to that hours pressure and the work-life thing, because Tell you what, if you're if you're having a tough day at work and you go home and and you can't turn it off, it's not good. No, it's not. Um, and, and sometimes, I think as a leader, the gesture that you make, and and how that gesture is received by your staff, you know, you may not think that's a huge deal for them to to leave at two, three, four o'clock on a Friday if everything's buttoned up. But the way that that makes the the staff feel. And then you as a leader following suit and setting that example, those small things matter. I really, really believe that. Um, let me shift gears on you for a moment because uh, you, we've talked some about professional sports. Here's a real concern I have with college sports. Uh, if, if you're working with the Bucks, how many home games do you have? Did you have during a normal football schedule, preseason plus your regular season home games? Yeah, ten. Yeah, ten. Okay. Now they have now they have ten or eleven, right? 10 or 11. So in the college space, we're going to play six to eight home football games in the fall. And then when November gets here, basketball kicks up and you're going to play 15 to 18 home basketball games. And in Tennessee's instance, we have a very competitive women's basketball program. It's got a lot of tradition. Double it up. So, so the attention, yeah, we double it up. And the attention that we give to women's basketball is the same that we give to, to men's basketball. And then what's happened over the last couple of years? our baseball team and softball team are really good. So we are finding ourselves activating at far more events than we ever have before. 
And mm -hmm. so our activation schedule now looks like mid-August through the end of May. And that's concerning because if, if you are with an NFL team, you can block those 10, 12 dates in the fall and you know those are all hands on deck on, on Saturday, Sunday, weekend, however you guys did that. We're now asking people to jump in the college space and look at schedules that, that really go nine to 10 months. And, and so, you have, so you have 50 or 60 events. So Brandon, you asked me the question, what I, what I took days off on Saturday or Monday. I mean, I, I'm, I'm bouncing back. So what is the right answer in your space, which is the MMR space where you're having, you're, you're asking your, your execution people to potentially be there for half or all. What do you yeah, need that, for them? See, and I think that's where, I think that's where we have to entertain those discussions around work from home. If, if you, if we've had a long football weekend, you know, do we consider working at home through Monday morning and coming in around lunchtime um, mm -hmm. or during those couple months out of the year where we don't have a lot going on? Do we consider a work from home schedule that's a little more friendly for people can get some things done? Because um, I think I think certainly in sports, you work so hard in sports that just taking care of the the tasks at home, laundry, lawn care, house, all those things. I can't tell you how many times I get behind on all of those things just because you're on the go so much. Right. Um, and if we want, if we want professionals to stay in our space, the college space long-term, we got to figure out how, how that model is going to work. And, you know, it's hard enough when you're single and trying to establish yourself in your career, maybe working harder than you ever will for the rest of your life because you're trying you're trying to do your job and hopefully do someone else's job and make your boss look good and find a home for yourself long-term. But then as you get older and you have a family, then you layer in the schedule of the family and taking care of the kids and daycare and what happens if someone gets sick and then do we got to have to pick them up at school? And so life happens. And, and I think what, what I've learned is I'm a perfectionist in a lot of ways. I cannot perfect work-life balance but I can try to be as realistic as I possibly can with work-life balance. And that's what I try to do. Um, and, and certainly there's opportunities along the way with a lot of those events. My son Hudson is a sports nut. He loves Tennessee. He would go to anything and everything that I would take him to uh, if I allowed it. So, you know, I do try to take him to a fair amount of things because it does give us time to, to talk in the car and then to, to experience something together and build hopefully some, some memories there. So there has to be some perks and benefits to it. Uh, in addition to the compensation, if you want to keep people really bought in long-term because it's a big word, but these jobs are really lifestyle careers. You're making a lifestyle choice. I, I love what you just said, because I think that's not said enough. I mean, when you, the fact is, is that one of the greatest perks that you have as working in your space is being able to share that life with your kids and your wife, right? If your spouse and kids get to experience that, I mean, I can't tell you how many people that are more mature, usually GMs or assistant GMs or MMRs around the country, they've been in those college towns for 10, 15, 20 years. One of the reasons they are, because they love bringing up their kids in that environment. The kids get to just, they, they, it just becomes a part of what it is. And that becomes maybe the biggest perk that you have. And they get to come to camps. They get to be around the coaches. They get to be around the players. They get to come to practices. They get to be in the building. They wear all the stuff. They get, all that is a part of it. And it's not a throwaway part of it because it, it's it's an unbelievable perk to be able to do that. I mean, probably yeah. the only thing, I'm seriously, the only thing other than an ego mess 
that I miss about being on the team side of the business is that my kids never got to experience what that was like. Yeah, I, I'll tell you a quick story. So Tessie obviously had a historic win over Alabama last fall. And so we have some traditions around football games where there are certain moments on a game day where I'll have a chance to to be with Hudson and Madison and my wife. And it's only for a few moments, but I always make sure that they're taken care of and they we have season tickets. And so they go to the game together. So we have this historic win over Alabama, tear the goalpost down, kids storm the field, a memory that Hudson will never forget. So my wife did not tell me she was going to do this, but this past year at Christmas, there was a rather large gift under the Christmas tree and it was for Hudson. So he goes to open it. I did not know what it was. And it is this 24 by 36 print of Neyland Stadium at that moment with all those fans on the field and the goalposts coming down. And it said third Saturday in October and the final score of the date. But what was most memorable about it is my wife wrote a note and put it on, put it on the back, taped it to the back of the print. And the, basically the gist of the note was, Hudson, you'll remember this day for the rest of your life. What I'll remember is I got to sit next to you to see it happen. Oh. And that's, that's what it's all about. Oh. That's what it's all about. Yeah, I got chill bumps. That's awesome, Brandon. I love that. I love that. Okay. Well, I, I think, you know, we're both trying. Um, obviously, no one in our business can succeed um, because yeah, you just can't. It, it, it is not a banker. You're not working nine to four or whatever they do. You're not working 40 hours a week. But we've talked about all the good things, right? The good things are there. That's the reason we do this. We, did, I mean, I, I, for my entire career, for 30 plus years, 35, 40 years, I've been paid to talk about sports. Every day of my life, I get paid to talk about this stuff. It's incredible. I still yeah. can't believe it. But I wanted to, we wanted to switch shift a little bit to the work at home thing since you and I are such big fans. Um, I'm going to go to the uh, a, a, a short story. Um, I was on vacation uh, this this last year, and I was sitting there at at you know at some pub with my wife, and we were just maybe probably skiing again. Um, and we uh, and there was a, a couple of young ladies that were sitting next to us. They were at the bar. They were like mid twenties, and they were talking about their work at home experience. And they were both incredibly excited for them with their companies that they were able to work at home. They said both of them because they were able to finish all of their work by ten or eleven in the morning. And then they spent the whole afternoon shopping and having fun and doing great things. They said, it's just great. We love working at home because we get every afternoon is free because we get all of our work done. And I, I listened to this and I'm, on my head is just, I mean, I want to go just go ballistic, but it's none of my business. And, and so I continue as an old crotchety person, I continue to struggle with what the right answer is. I have a permanent uh, at-home employee. I have uh, others that work at home days of the week. I, I understand um, what the advantage is, what the, the disadvantage is, what we talk about here is that we're all trying to hire young people, that we're all trying to bring all these 22 to 27 year olds um, along. We want to hire them, we want it to be long term, we make concessions to make that work. Um, but there is a time and a place, and, and it's, a, uh, it's a tough balance for me right now. I got to continue to remind myself how to do this right, and I'm still a long way from there because I have to learn to trust. Right. And trust is a big part of this. Um, I'll say this. I'm not opposed to work from home, but I will tell you for me, being in the sponsorship sales space, being someone that enjoys building relationships, that loves meeting with people and interacting with people, that's not, it's not necessarily something that I want to do specifically, 
but I think I have to keep in mind that everyone's personal story is different and everyone has uh, different elements of their life that can create challenges for them. Um, and, and I think as a leader, you try to find that that healthy balance of, of, of being able to, to create flexibility for people, but then also making sure that, that we're, our level of productivity is not going down. Um, right. And it is a real challenge um, and trust is a key part of that. Um, but I do think we, we have to, ha it has to be a top of mind conversation futuristically, because you're right, we are hiring younger people. And, you know, there's different beliefs in, in how you can get certain jobs done. Um, but, you know, on the flip side of that, um, because the space we work in, uh, you know, there's a ton of traffic that comes through our office um, on a weekly basis. And, you know, is it necessarily a good look if 50% of the lights are out? Right. Uh, you know, right. um, and, and I think you have to think about that. So it's, it's a delicate, it's a delicate balancing act. And I think certain careers and certain roles within organizations lend themselves much easier to work from home. Right. Uh, but, you know, we're very much an outward sales focused organization. With collaboration like being such a big part of what we do. I mean, it is. It, and so it, it, if we were just, a, like you said, if we're a data input company, neither one of us are. So we're, we're a, or both of us work in organizations where we absolutely thrive on and beg for collaboration and collaboration. We all, we, we beat it to death over these podcasts as much better in person. Absolutely. Um, and, and that collaboration is, you're right, much better in person. Creative juices flow much better in person. Impromptu meetings with an open door policy every day, which is what we have here, that happens every day. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's pivotal to our business. And then you have the whole culture around it, how you try to build culture um, if you're, if you're working at a distance from one another. Um, and, and I, I don't claim to have all of the solutions or all the answers to it. And I'm learning every day, just like everybody else is. Um, but, but it's certainly something futuristically that, that we're going to have to get our arms around and figure out what is the best approach and the best way to do it. Right. Because again, going back to the original conversation, work-life balance is important. We both recognize that we both work in industries that require ridiculous hours. We both recognize the fact that we are not a nine to five and that, that whether it's events or whether it's just sheer workload, um, the, the plays need breaks and they need to establish um, something outside the office to allow them to be happy in. Um, yeah. And, and yeah. so that, that work at home is obviously that advent is something that can be a part of it. I just gotta, I've gotta twist myself into a spot where I get it better. I'm, I'm gonna give you one small tip, something that I learned from myself that has been a good example that I hope is creating more work-life balance all around. Um, I was really bad early on in my career about catching up on email and getting ahead on email on the weekends. And so there were lots of times for a long time where I would send emails on the weekend. And uh, this has probably been seven, eight years ago. Uh, I went to lunch with an advertising agency representative uh, and we were talking about, we were talking about this very thing, work-life balance. And he said, he said, you won't believe this, but he said the, the owner of our ad agency comes in on Sunday nights and he does these email dumps um, from really like six to 10 o'clock. And it creates all this fear and trepidation with everyone at the agency 
that your weekend is over at six o'clock on Sunday night because the owner of the agency is going to pile on all the emails that he wants you to consume and be ready to talk about first thing Monday morning. And my light bulb went off. Is why on earth have I all these years been sending all these emails on the weekend? Why could I not park them in my outbox and wait until I come in on Monday to not disrupt someone else's weekend? Because mm. how, how many times have you gotten an email on the weekend? And although it is your weekend, you're like, ah, I probably need to read that. And you read it and then it, it completely disjoints the weekend. And that's all you can think about. Thank you. I, now my Sunday afternoons are completely reorganized. I really appreciate you ruining my next uh, 27 Sundays. <laughs> well, I learned something from, from myself being a bad example. And I, <laughs> you think about that with, with your team. You don't ever want to be that guy that feels like you're cutting short. I love it. So you, so the answer now for me is when I come on on Sundays, which I do a lot and uh, bang out all this information is to just put it all in the draft folder. Correct. That's, that's exactly what I do. And then, and then you hit send at 7am Monday morning and the world is better. Yeah. And it, and it does feel good sometimes on those Monday mornings when you watch 75 emails go out. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, Brandon, we will uh, revisit again in two weeks, and I appreciate you. Um, and I, I, I am actually uh, taking a short vacation in three weeks, so we'll talk about that at our next podcast. So thank everybody for listening. We really appreciate every single one of you. We are continuing to grow every week, and we appreciate you guys downloading us. We appreciate any ratings that you give us. Even if they're terrible, it means you care. So on behalf of Brandon Parks, I am Paul Sigmund with Knox Sports. Thank you for listening to Knox Talk. We'll see you in two weeks.